0: Welcome to Saving Grace Church, located in Indiana, Pennsylvania. Our mission at Saving Grace Church is to love God, love others, and reach the world for Christ. We hope that this message brings you closer to God and helps strengthen your walk with Christ. It it is so, so cold. The first time I ever jumped into the falls, I I I think I was about 13 years old, and I wasn't ready for it. you have to be ready for it. I warned these guys, but I jumped in, not knowing how cold it was going to be and Fortunately, my friend Pete had jumped in before me, and he was already down there because when I hit the water, it, it literally took my breath away, and I, I became like temporarily paralyzed where i I couldn't move, and I was just sh- I was shocked I think, and all I could do was try to keep my head above water and, and just Get the word help out. And and Pete saw that I was struggling. So fortunately, he came in and, and he attempted to rescue me. But you know how it is like when you're panicking in water, like any any lifeguards here know that the instinct of a person panicking in water is just to clutch at whatever they can and, and pull themselves up. And when I did that, I, I pulled Pete down and Pete went under. And fortunately, it's, it's not that deep, and, and the shallow is pretty close by, so we got out of there. But that's the, the, the problem when you're attempting to rescue somebody in water. And I was thinking about this, I'm thinking about our passage today, and uh, Joe Ryer gave me the idea. He said, why don't you Google like um, people who are water rescuers drowning? And so I did. I looked up the statistics of those people, those lifeguards who, who actually drown in attempts to rescue someone else from the water, from drowning. And, and I read this. in, uh, in the, This is from the U.S. National Safety Council. Um, they reported uh, a study between 2008 and 2012, and I don't know exactly where this was or how big of an area, but 114 rescuers died while trying to save drowning victims. And, and the study resulted in a simple and clear warning. This is what their study said. It concluded that the event of a person drowning can be far more dangerous if an untrained person, an untrained person attempts to rescue the primary drowning victim. This can result in the death of the rescuer as well as the victim. So the rescuer, the rescuer, Needs to not only keep watch on the victim in that situation, but they need to keep watch on themselves lest they drown as well. We looked at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 last week. Galatians 6 1 has a very similar warning that we didn't get to last week. We didn't even cover a full verse last week, and, and I'm okay with that. We're going to cover the end of that this week. Let's look at that warning. That's similar to the warning put out by the National Safety Council. Galatians 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Here's the warning. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. So this... This last sentence that we're going to cover this week and then, Lord willing, get into verse 2. This last sentence is a warning. It's a warning to the to the spiritual Christian. It says, Brothers, if anyone has caught in any, any transgression, you who are spiritual, that's who, that's who God's talking to through the Apostle Paul in this verse. You who are spiritual. We talked about what that meant last week. You who are spiritual, do two things. Restore him in a spirit of gentleness, but also... Keep watch on yourself because you're not untemptable either. And it's, it's very similar, a very similar warning to that of the U.S. Safety Council. It's a, it's a warning. As I was thinking about this warning, I, I uh, was getting ready to mow grass, and I had looked down at my mower deck this past week, and there's a sticker on the mower deck. You know, these warning labels are kind of funny. They have pictures on of things that can happen to you if you don't heed that warning, if you're not careful. And uh, the, 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 the warning sticker on the deck said that when you're doing maintenance, when you're repairing this mower, you've got to be careful that the PTO isn't engaged and the blades aren't turning. And I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I guess I have a, a picture here of what that warning label looks like. And, and they have these pictures on them like this kind of stuff can happen. You can cut your leg off. You can cut your hand off. And, and so when we're repairing a mower or you're repairing a piece of machinery, you need to, to heed those warnings or you can get hurt pretty badly. This is no different. This is a warning from the Apostle Paul that we need to heed. We who are spiritual, that means we who are the rescuers in, in these spiritual situations where our brothers and sisters are drowning in the consequences of their transgressions. And so we need to be careful and we need to heed the Apostle Paul's warning because we could get pretty hurt ourselves if we don't. The warning here here is a a warning that we need to keep a humble attitude, a humble attitude with a special awareness that that we ourselves are not above temptation. Paul says, keep watch on yourselves, lest you too also be tempted. And one of the ways that we can be tempted in this this kind of situation, when we are the ones who are rescuing those who are struggling in a sin, or the consequences of a sin, is the temptation to pride. The temptation to, to, to fancy ourselves as as the super spiritual saint who is put on this earth to help these, these pitiful peasants, these carnal Christians, these people who just can't keep themselves out of these struggles that they're in. That's the wrong attitude that Paul's warning us against. And that attitude can come when we fall into comparison. And next week we're going to get into a couple more verses beyond this where Paul's going to really hit hard on that. But this warning, this warning, he starts into to that. We don't want to sink into the cold waters of comparison when we're attempting to rescue our brothers and sisters who are struggling in their particular areas of sin that they get caught up in. And I think the idea of, of labeling, like, so this verse that we looked at, verse 1, It has these two categories of people. It has the spiritual, those who are are called to rescue, the quote spiritual. And then it has the transgressor, those who are caught in a transgression. And when when God gives, I think at times, categories of people or, or labels for people, we can recoil at that sometimes. I know. I know. I can. It. It can. It can almost seem like ah, that's that's maybe not the best way to do it. To give someone that identity, you're either a spiritual Christian or you're a you're a transgressor transgressor, and, and that's who you are. That's just like that's just who you are. I, I'm I'm just the one who's always struggling and falling into sin, or or I'm the one who is put on this earth to help those people over there. And what would they do without me? They need me, but that's not what God's doing here. That's why sometimes we can recoil at this. But but God does make these two categories. But He's not saying that's your own. These are your only identities. You're not either this person or this person. The point here in in Galatians chapter five and six is that this is how you are functioning at a given time. There might be a season where where you're more spiritual walking with the Lord, and that's the goal for all of us. But Paul's warning to keep watch on ourselves lest we too be tempted reminds us that we can be in this category over here as well. And if we think we can't, then we unknowingly are, and we're drowning in our own pride and self-righteousness. So Paul is telling us here that there might be times when you're the spiritual Christian, And you're called to help someone who's struggling. And there might be times when you're struggling in some sin. And you need to realize that and accept the help from others. This isn't some sort of caste system Christianity where you're just one or the other all the time. Paul's talking about how you're functioning. He's talking about areas of weakness. And we all have them. And we need to know them. This is a very this is a very real tendency for the quote spiritual believer. That's why this is addressed to the spiritual believer, the one who is rescuing the one who is drowning. Because we can fall into this much more easily than the other side when you're struggling. When you're struggling, you know you need help. But when you're the one helping, you can fall into this this. Uh, pool of pride and drown yourself. So Paul doesn't want us to have that attitude when we're helping, when we're restoring, when we're adjusting, when we're repairing the believer who's caught in a transgression. This is a warning for us. And it's a good one. It's a good one. We don't want to, we don't want to think that we're in a different league. We don't want to consider ourselves as Us, them. We're all on the same plane at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. We all need Him. And we can't fall into comparison. Again, Paul gets into that more, which I think we'll hit on more next week. But for now, he gives us this warning. Keep watch on yourselves, lest you too be tempted. We're all human. We're all temptable. Last week, I I had mentioned... Uh, an illustration of a problem that I had when I when I had my first home. And, it, and I don't know if all of you were here, so let's briefly explain it again. I lived on a, the end of a dead-end road, and, and at the end of that road, here was my, my house, my yard on the left, and there was a, a turnaround there where people would hit the dead end and turn around. And people were cutting through the grass. They weren't just going down the road and turning. They were cutting through the grass making ruts in my yard, and so I thought I'll get them. I put a big rock there in the corner and I think it was two days later, I caught a car. The rock was like that high and the, the car drove up on it. And and I I don't think that there was anything wrong. Don't don't misunderstand. I don't think there's anything wrong with putting a little something there on the boundary to keep people from from getting off the path. Sometimes we need to do that in our own spiritual lives. We need to we need to put some fences up for ourselves so that we don't get off track. Sometimes we need to be those fences for our brothers and sisters and say, wait a minute, you can't go there. I don't think there's anything wrong with my rock. What was wrong with that situation was my attitude. Because I was there I was when, when that elderly man got caught up on that rock and his car was teetering there. And I'm perched up in my bedroom window looking out with a, a heart attitude of pride and self-righteousness, like good for you. I would never do that. I would never drive over a corner. I'm so glad you got caught up on that. Rock. Serves you right, buddy. And I had a I had a bad attitude about that. I um I, I was like thinking of it like in in the medieval days when when they would put those people in the in the center of the city in stocks so that You know, that that everybody could see how guilty they were and everybody could throw tomatoes at them. And and, and it was like, you know, that guy on that car on my rock was was to me in my window. He was like perched up on that pedestal for all of 15th Street to to see and scoff at. That's the attitude I had. I thought I'm going to leave you there for a little while because I want everybody to see what you did. And I had a bad, bad attitude. And so, so <laughs> that can be the temptation spiritually for us. That's a physical thing that happened. But spiritually, we can have that same attitude. And that's what Paul's warning us against. Huh, I would never do that. Serves you right. I'm going to let you sit on that spiritual rock a little bit longer. I'm going to let you drown in that before I before I so nobly come in and save your life. That's not the attitude that God wants us to have. We need to keep watch on ourselves. I reminded you of the the rock illustration because I want to tie it in with this warning. It wasn't long after, a few years later, I was uh, was helping uh, an elderly woman who lived in my town, Mrs. Burkett. She was in her nineties then. She's still alive. She still lives alone. She's in her she's probably in her late nineties now. And I took care of her yard for her and uh and I I um you know, I would pull in every Wednesday with my truck and my trailer and my mower on into her driveway. And I would um you know, we would chat. She was such a sweet old lady. She would tell me about the good old days when her parents came over from Italy and how she how, how her mom brought peppers, and she gave me some of those same peppers, and she would talk about when her husband Joe was still around, and, and it was nice. You know, she liked to talk, and uh, and I really enjoyed keeping her company. But one particular Wednesday, we were talking before I mowed her lawn, and she said, Bobby, I want to show you something. And, and she put her arm around mine, and she walked me down to the, the lower end of her yard where the corner of her property went from the road into her driveway. And she said, what can we do about these ruts where these people are cutting the corner here into my yard? And I looked and a lump formed in my throat because only a couple feet beyond that rut was my trailer. And I realized, you know, I had these flashbacks of me up in my window looking at that that old guy in his car teetering on my rock serves you right, buddy. I would never do that. And here I was, a common corner cutter myself. And Mrs. Burkett was so gracious with me. And and I said, I said after I felt bad and uh, I, I I said, I know how to solve that problem, Mrs. Burkett. We can put a rock there. And and Mrs. Burkett was way more humble than me because she had only one requirement. She said, okay, I'd, I'd like the rock, but... We need to paint it white so that people can see it. What a humble old lady. I want to grow to be that humble. That's the right attitude. Nothing wrong with the rock. It's all our heart attitude. And God showed me that through that that little illustration there. So when we think that we are uh, Mr. I would never do that or Mrs. how could they, we need to reconsider. That's the warning here. Keep watch on yourselves lest you too be tempted. Spiritual pride is a dangerous thing. That's Paul's point here. That's what God wants us to know. And and no matter how spiritual we are, we're not immune to this. We're not immune to this. We need to remember it. It's not wrong to point out sin. We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater and go to some extreme. He's actually calling us to do that, to shed light on sin. But we need to watch our heart. When we do it, we need to realize that we're all vulnerable and we're all human and we can all fall into temptation. There's one more application of this warning that I want to give before we go on to verse two. This warning to keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I think God wants us to just consider when we're helping someone out of a, a a sticky, sinful situation. He wants us to consider our own weaknesses, not just to fry, but to to other sins, maybe even to the sin that we're helping them out of. He wants us to consider that maybe even before, before we put too much time into helping them. We're not the only person who can help them. What do I mean by that? Well, I mentioned the study about the rescuers, the water rescuers, the lifeguards who who were drowning by helping others and one of the important and interesting statistics in that study was that 80% of the the water rescuers who drown while trying to help someone else 80% of them were under the age of 18 they were teenagers and i want to i want to take a minute to speak to the teenagers or the young people and i don't want to i don't want to be hard on you. I wanna I wanna actually give you a story from my own past and tell you how how when we're teenagers, when we're young, we can be particularly vulnerable to this. You know, there are I I read in another study one time that that the part of our brain that that gives us good judgment and, and it's the part that gives us caution. It's that caution, you know, that blinking yellow light that tells you slow down. There may be danger ahead. That part of our brain doesn't develop, scientists say, until we're into our 20s. So teenagers can be particularly vulnerable to to not heeding this kind of a warning. When I was a teenager, my friend Pete, who, who I pulled under the water when he tried to rescue me, actually pulled me underwater spiritually a few years later. When I was 15 years old, Pete and I were good friends, and we did a lot of things together. He lived near me, but Pete started going off track. And if if you know me, I'm changing names to protect the confidentiality of the innocent. But some some of you are thinking, some of you that know me are thinking, you have a friend named Pete. Okay, I changed his name. But Pete started to go off track, and I realized that. And I didn't think it was good, so I thought I could help him, and I thought I, I had the idea I should probably just not hang out with him as much anymore. But and I think that was a warning from the Lord. But again, I, I I didn't have this good judgment as a teenager, so I continued to hang out with Pete, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna help him. Well, God's word says that 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 bad morals corrupt good behavior, and that's what happened to me. I got pulled in, Pete. Pulled me down, and and I started finding myself doing things like Pete was doing. And we go to Pete's house, and we would watch videos that that I knew that I wasn't allowed to watch at home, that I knew I shouldn't watch. Or we would start, you know, I, I can remember Pete wanting to throw apples. He would he made these long sticks and he, these flexible apple limbs, and he would stick an apple on the end of them, and he would say, "Let's stand in the bottom of the yard and see if we can hit the school bus when it goes by." And so I found myself. Like, thinking, oh, yeah, maybe, okay. And participating in that kind of thing. And and, and, it, and it was getting worse and worse. And, and fortunately, fortunately, the Lord won me over, and I withdrew from Pete and realized I wasn't going to help Pete. And, and Pete actually got into drugs and alcohol and spent some time in jail after that. But I, I want to just appeal to the teens because you need to heed this warning whenever... You have a friend who's going off in, in the wrong direction. You may not be able to do it without being tempted. And so sometimes we need to leave that up to someone else, or sometimes we need to withdraw. And, and if you're an adult thinking, oh, yeah, 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 that's right, he's talking to the teens, that's right. You know, this is for adults too. This isn't just for teens. So So we all need to keep watch on ourselves in these kinds of situations, lest we too be tempted. There are many applications, but for the sake of time, verse 2 is short and sweet and I think we can cover it pretty quickly. Uh, let's move on to verse 2. Verse 2, and this is this is number 2 if you're keeping notes from last week in the four responsibilities for the spiritual Christian. Number 1 is repair. That's the, the, the restoring, the adjusting of the out-of-bounds believer in verse 1. That warning was, was a part of that. And number 2 is bear. This is from Galatians chapter 6, verse 2. So number two in the four responsibilities. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens. Let's start out by understanding what is it that we're called to bear? What is a burden? What does it mean to bear one another's burdens? Well, burdens are heavy loads. Burdens are heavy loads or situations that are difficult to endure by oneself. That's what a burden is. We're going to look at the word load in a couple verses next week where it tells us to carry our own own load. And we'll look at the difference then in more detail. But a burden is different than a load. A load is something that God gives you the responsibility to carry. A burden is something that it's stacked on and it feels heavier. Here's, here's Here's an example of, of the Scripture, the way the Scripture uses this. It uses to uses the word burden in its verb form in Matthew 26, 43, where it talks about how the disciples in the Garden of Gethsemane, their, their eyelids were heavy with sleep. Their eyes were a burden. They couldn't keep them awake. Have you ever been so tired that you couldn't keep your eyes awake? I, I this, this happens to me driving a lot of times for some reason. It's a bad time to, to get sleepy, but... I can remember in the wintertime holding my head out the window, you know, trying to keep my eyes open so that... Uh, my, my friend Sean one time when we were we camped out in trout season and, and uh, we didn't sleep, it rained all night. I remember after fishing we are driving home and, and I, I was so tired I started dozing off. Unfortunately, Sean was awake enough to grab the wheel. He was bearing my burden of my heavy eyelids and he kept us on the road. But this is an example of how this word's used. Paul also uses it in 2 Corinthians 1.8 where he, he says, we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. We were so utterly burdened beyond our strength. So the idea is it's something that's, it's, it feels heavier than what you can handle. It feels really heavy. Now, in this passage, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ, we tend to think of burdens as, as you know, just really tough things that we're going through in life. You lost your job. You got a sickness, and you can't keep up with all of your responsibilities. Um, you're you're lonely. You're, you're going through a really difficult time because you know I, whatever. There there are many many applications to burdens that we're called to bear, and we should, as believers, be all about the business of bearing one another's burdens. But but I believe in the context of this verse with what Paul has been talking about before and what he talks about after, that there's a specific burden that he has in mind here for us to bear. And I think the primary, the primary context of, of verse 1, the verse that comes right before, shows us that perhaps the burdens that, that he's talking about are burdens that believers carry when they get themselves caught in transgressions. I think that's the kind of burden that Paul has In mind, burdens can be anything that threaten to destroy our joy and faith. They can be a a tragedy that that keeps us from having trust in the Lord and causes us to doubt doubt the goodness of God. But they can also be a transgression. I think that's what he has in mind here. A transgression that drags us into guilt, to shame, and to just a a hindrance of our, our spiritual walk with Him. called to bear those for one another. Well, What does that mean? Well, One of the ways that I think the, the Bible describes this is, is the example of King David. We looked at David last week and we looked at how David, who was a man after God's own heart, fell in to many sins that if one of us fell into these today, look out, news headlines, murder, adultery. This is is God's man who's falling into these sins. And we looked at that last week and we looked at how he had a friend who came in and confronted him and helped to restore him. But when David was in those sins, this is how he felt. He, He writes a lot about it in the Psalms. Psalm 38, 4. He says, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They're too heavy for me. See, David... David was saying, I'm in deep. I feel like I'm drowning. I can't even keep my head above water. I need help. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt that way because you got yourself into something? You crossed a boundary that you knew you shouldn't cross because God said so, but you crossed it anyways. And you got yourself stuck in the mud, in the mire, and the thorns, and the mess of that stuff on the other side of that boundary. That's that's what David experienced. And he said, this is a heavy burden. This is too heavy for me to bear. Look what I got myself into. What I love about David, and he does this all through the Psalms, David takes responsibility for his actions. He takes responsibility. He's not blaming everyone else. He acknowledges and that's another sermon I don't want to get into, but that's a good first step in this whole process if you're the one who is, is, has crossed the line. David takes responsibility for his actions, and I love that. But he realizes that it's his sin that got him in this mess. It, it wasn't a mistake. It wasn't a bad decision. He says in verse 4 of Psalm 38, for my iniquities have gone over my head. Iniquities are Iniquities are like, if you're talking about levels of sin, iniquities are the bad, bad. They're the ones that I went into and I knew it was bad. And I stayed there. That's really bad. David says, but it's good that he's acknowledging that it was his sin. And you might be in, uh, I think it's a good question to ask ourselves if we just feel like something's so heavy on me. Do, did I Do I have something that I haven't taken responsibility for that's weighing on me that I need to confess like David did? And I don't want us to get off track, but... This is something that he felt. And you've, if you if you were ever in this situation, you've, you know what this feels like. You felt this. You felt burdened. You felt like you're drowning. You felt like you need help. And that's what the call is here. It's for the rest of us to go and help our brothers and sisters. And we talked last week about how to do that because there's a particular way. I mentioned my buddy Sean. Whenever we were driving home from the first day of trout season, and my eyes were burdened with sleep, and Sean grabbed the wheel and pulled the truck back on the road. Well, Sean, what I didn't tell you was that in the ninth grade, Sean was about six foot two and three hundred pounds. He was a big guy, and uh, we 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 always played backyard football together. That's one of the things we loved to do this time of year, especially. And I always wanted Sean on my team because he, he was a big dude. And one time, Sean was on the other team, and I remember I got the ball, and I was running the ball, and uh, I had someone had tackled my legs, and I fell, and I came right down on my wind, the ball hit right here, and it took the wind out of me, and if that wasn't bad enough, having the wind knocked out of you, there comes Sean jumping on top of me, all 300 pounds of him, and he lay in there, and I I, I was suffocating, I could not breathe. And Sean's on top of me, and you talk about a burden. That only lasted a few seconds. <laughs> that was that was intense. Now take that and imagine, imagine that that doesn't end, and it goes on for weeks, or months, or even years. There are people here who feel that way because nobody has come to rescue them. You know, I think God does call us to be our brother's keeper at times. Now, Scripture has a lot of qualifications. We're not to meddle in the affairs of others. We're not to snoop. We're not to gossip. We're not. There's a lot of stuff. We're to overlook a sin. It's a glory to overlook an offense if it's towards you. And then there are other steps to deal with if you can't overlook it. But this is talking about if you see your brother or sister drowning, if you see Sean laying on him and he can't breathe not sean but it's it's the weight of his sin it's the consequences of his transgression don't be like "Ah, hey serves him right you reap what you sow right yeah that's right and we're going to look at that in three verses but that doesn't mean we're not supposed to go and help yes we reap what we sow we're not supposed to you know we're not called to bail them out of jail this isn't saying go bail every sinner out of jail This isn't saying become a defense attorney and and defend the guilty. This isn't, no offense if you're a defense attorney, I know not all of them. But this isn't saying that kind of stuff. This isn't saying there shouldn't be consequences. But this is saying that we are called to restore the relationship with Jesus Christ and show them how to get back on the right path. We're called to, to shine this lamp unto our feet and this light unto our path on them, to show them this is where you are and this is where you need to go. When I was reading the drowning stuff, it said don't try to rescue someone like going and grabbing them. Throw that orange buoy or that life thing out to them. That's what you got to do because if you you don't do that, they're going to pull you under. This is that orange buoy. This is what we're called to do. We're, We're to throw God's Word out to them. We're to help them. Not in a mean way, but in a gentle way, as we talked about last week. We need to help our brothers and sisters. I'm not talking about bailing them out of consequences. Let's wrap it up here. I want to I end it like this. Think about, think about what we're called to do in bearing one another's burdens, in rescuing one another from the transgressions that they've gotten themselves into. We have an example isn't this what Jesus Christ did for you? Isn't this what Jesus Christ did and still does for you and I? He's, he's the example. He's the example of this. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree. See, Jesus Christ carried the burden of our sins. We've all fallen short. We've all crossed that path. And none of us are perfect now. We still do that. And He's not going to leave us. He's right there to come back and restore us every time if we just look to Him. He's right there. He will restore you every time. He's not going to withdraw that from you. He's active in that. And so our verse says, bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. The law of Christ is just that. The law of Christ is what Jesus Christ told us to do when He said, act like me, do what I did. The law of Christ is John 13, 34. He said this to His followers, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. That's fulfilling the law of Christ. You also are to love one another, just as I have loved you. Now, we can't die for the sins of our brothers and sisters, but we sure can rescue them, restore them, adjust them in a spirit of gentleness, confront them lovingly, and help them out of the consequences of their transgression in a non-self-righteous, a non-judgmental, a non-critical way, because we, too, can be tempted. That's what we're called to do. Jesus is still bearing burdens today. And one of the ways, one of the ways that he does this, and we come into cooperation with him, this isn't the only way to bear burdens, but it's a big one, is prayer, is praying for one another. That's a a really, really, really effective way to help these brothers and sisters. And so, what I'd like to do to end is, I'd like to have the worship band come up. But I'd also like to ask if there's anyone here on the prayer team, if you could come up and, and stand off to the sides. And as we sing this last song together, guess guys can come on up. As we sing this last song together, if anyone has any burdens, doesn't just have to be because of your bad decisions or sins or transgressions. It can be any burdens. Come on up if, you're, if you want to, and ask for prayer. But particularly, if anyone has a burden because of a situation like David, where you just you, you sinned and you know that you've got yourself into this mess and you need help, God gives grace to the humble. He'll give you grace, and this is one of the ways I think He'll do that today. Is if you come up and ask ask these men and women for prayer. And uh, I'd like to ask that, that we all stand and let's pray together now before we sing this last song. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for how clear your word is. Thank you for how relevant to our lives your word is. Thank you, Father, that you you send Jesus to bear our the burden of our sin. And because of that, we don't have to bear the burden of eternal damnation, that we are saved. And I pray, Lord, that with the way this life can be messy at times, if there is anyone here who is struggling on the other side of that boundary and wants to come back to the path of righteousness, that you would restore them to that today. And that you would help them through the prayers of the saints. That you would help them through the preaching of your word. And that you would help them by putting it on the rest of our hearts. To offer help and to throw that lifeline out to them. That lifeline of of your truth. I pray that this would be an effective message today. In bearing fruit for your kingdom. And especially in rescuing struggling and drowning believers. Thank you, Father. Lord, we look to you as we sing and worship now. And and while we do, we pray that you would lay it on our heart if there is somebody that you would like us to, to approach in a spirit of gentleness. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Father. Amen.